I'm Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true and no one's identity has been protected. Welcome to Fulfillment Stories podcast number 73. Seth Bernard was born and raised on the Earthwork Farm in Lake City, Michigan, and he was never farther than a stone's throw away from learning how to steward the earth and his own talents. He's a Renaissance man who uses his musical talent to promote the preservation of natural resources through several nonprofits, including his own title track. He uses music to create community through initiating things like the Earthwork Collective and the Earthworks Harvest Gathering. Here's Seth's story from the October 2019 event. Um, I'd like to start with a little call and response that we can do kind of as a refrain throughout the, the talk. So uh, repeat after me. The strength of your heart, strength of your heart. will carry you, through carry you through your whole life. My first memory, uh, I rarely share this, and partly because it's really hard to explain, but the first memory that I have in this life was of uh, laying in my crib and looking up at the ceiling and contemplating the nature of existence. And uh, it was like, what is all this? You know, of all the things that could come to be, uh, why is this this? And why am I me? And, and uh, I remember uh, being able to understand what people were saying, but they treated me like I couldn't understand what they were saying. And another early memory of mine uh, was of uh, the first music event we had at Earthwork Farm where I was born and raised. And it was a barn dance with the Lost World String Band. Um, and there was this golden light uh, pouring through the cracks in the barn. And... Uh, Everybody was happy. All the adults were so relaxed, and there was magic in the air, and music brought us together. Um, some of what I'm going to share with you tonight uh, has to do with growth through loss. And uh, the first experience that I really had of that as a young person was um, with Elise Getz. So Elise was this amazing woman, dear friend of our family, radical lesbian woman who shaved her head and drove a Harley, and uh, she got cancer in her early 30s from the fertility drugs that her mother took to get pregnant with her. And uh, she decided to come to Earthwork Farm to spend the last weeks of her life. And she invited her partner, Tammy Simon, uh, who founded Sounds True, and her dear friend, Jeffrey Duvall, to be with her. And I remember her passing away and how hard that was for me and how close I felt to her. Uh, I was five years old. And then I also met Jeffrey Duvall, who would be my mentor, uh, one of a handful of mentors who've helped me through my whole life. Um, it was a pretty idyllic childhood I had growing up on Earthwork Farm. I learned how to take care of animals. It was an experiment in, in, in intentional living, um, in communal living, so lots of uh, interesting people, uh, people who um, wanted to live in a meaningful way close to the earth and, and in community. Um, I, uh, I learned how to keep bees and make maple syrup, and uh, my parents hosted kids there. They were very much uh, in touch with the community and in service to the community. 
Um, one of my dad's biggest quotes that I remember growing up was, do not rely on others for your own source of self-esteem. And uh, one of my mom's major quotes was, the bravest thing that you can do is to see things from someone else's point of view. I remember being young and having this feeling. I don't know where this came from, if it was an idea that I had or if the seed was planted somehow, but I had this idea that my ancestors were watching me uh, and that I had to make use of this lifespan as much as I could. Um, I went to Lake City schools, small towns, small schools. I had some great teachers. Um, one of, another great mentor of mine, Frank Youngman, was my teacher in fifth grade, and he had lived on the farm when I was a little kid. Um, and he gave me the stack of vinyl that I had to listen to when I got my first record player. Um, when I got into middle school, I had this idea to run for student council. And um, the day before the student council elections, uh, my dog got sprayed by a skunk and spent the night uh, sleeping right on my school backpack, which I wore to school. And... Uh, and uh, I ended up calling my dad and asking for a ride home because I stink. And I thought, I'm, I can never run for student council. I don't think I could ever even go back to school. Um, but we made a plan, and the plan happened the next day. I gave my student council election speech using a puppet that I had made in Mr. Youngman's class. And the puppet was saying, don't vote for Seth Bernard because he stinks. Vote for me instead. And that was the beginning of uh, a long career in student government. Uh, <laughs> um, some of the programs that kept me going through school were uh, outdoor education. Lake City had great outdoor education um, and great people supporting uh, young folks taking measured risks and, and bonding in nature. Uh, theater and forensics uh, had great teachers there and great experiences telling stories. Uh, and, and, of course, music and band and forming my first rock and roll bands. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Interlochen Arts Academy for a post-grad year after high school, which was totally transformative. Uh, I was on a theater scholarship. I also studied composition and recorded music, collaborated with people from all around the world, uh, studied poetry. I got a gig uh, starring in this movie that Rich Brower directed, The Lost Treasure of Sawtooth Island, A Search for Lost Treasure, uh, with Ernest Borgnine. And uh, after that, I moved to New York City, and I took a big step out of my comfort zone. And uh, I lived with this amazing woman who was a dancer and a shaman in rent-controlled Brooklyn Heights. And I paid my dues working for studio instrument rentals, uh, setting up equipment at all the venues all around the city. And I fell into uh, being able to go to the uh, Songwriters Exchange in Greenwich Village, which has it existed since the 60s, uh, where you're supposed to write a new song every week and bring it in to be crit critiqued and workshopped with all these other wonderful songwriters. I got a gig with the National Theater for Children that took me out of New York, uh, where I rehearsed in Minneapolis, and then I was on tour in the American South um, and uh, I had an amazing experience. Uh, I had always loved working with kids and doing theater. One thing I realized on this tour is that I could predict the way that the students were going to behave uh, by the, the conversation that I had with the principal and the office staff without fail. Um, and during that time, I kept writing songs. Uh, when I came home, I... Uh, 
I noticed that my parents were, were splitting up and things were coming apart. The farm, as I, as I knew it, was changing. And my mother came to me, and she said, there's something really important that I need to tell you. It's really big. And when she said that, I, I knew what she was going to say. Um, she was going to tell me that I had a different biological father than the man who raised me and that um, they thought it was best for me to just not know, but now it was, a, it was time for me to know. And uh, that really um, rocked my world. And um, there are still mornings where I wake up and I'm trying to put the pieces together from that. But <clears throat> I also had the opportunity to see my parents as humans in a really real way and have empathy for them grappling with a situation as it was, trying to make a commitment to a decision that would benefit me. So I, I turned uh, to my mentor at that time. I went to visit Jeffrey Duvall in Colorado and I, um, I went to my first men's retreat put on by the Men's Leadership Alliance, and this would lead to uh, a couple decades of participating in and facilitating and hosting retreats for men to tell our stories and to heal our trauma uh, in community together, and that's been very meaningful work uh, for me and others. Um, I had a brief stint at U of M, again, on a theater scholarship, but I found that there was a little too much drama in the world of theater for me, and that writing songs um, was a more immediate way for me to have an impact, and in my life I had been impacted uh, most powerfully by, by singer-songwriters. Uh, and so I, I started to create this degree uh, in the general studies department, combining the performing arts and studies and sustainability uh, I did research with the Center for Sustainable Systems, uh, studying climate change. Um, I lived with David Fetzer, my best friend from Interlock, in, in this amazing house of artists. We called ourselves the House of Hope and Mercy. And people were very creative and very idealistic and hopeful for a better world. Did my first tour, uh, put my career at U of M on hold, put out my first album, uh, traveled the country, and I decided to start the Earthwork Harvest Gathering, um, remembering that early uh, memory of the barn dance at Earthwork Farm um, when I released my first album. And that was the birth of the Earthwork Harvest Gathering, as well as Earthwork Music. And um, it's been a big part of my work, um, organizing music musicians and um, recognizing music as a powerful tool and community. Uh, as a, as a way for us to come together and heal ourselves and, and heal, heal the culture. And uh, something that has been very clear to me um, is that people, they need warm places to be. We, we thrive when we're invited, when we're called in, and that there's a lot of conflict and a lot of divisiveness and a lot of um, confrontation going on in society. Some of it is necessary, um, and some of it is, uh, is strategically dividing us. And so I've always tried to uh, approach this work um, in a way that builds community and, and uh, acknowledges some of the basic goodness that we all have. And I really kind of think that it's a kind of a radical, badass way to be, to, to be bravely um, sincere in, in the world and on social media. Earthwork Harvest Gathering started with a, a small potluck on a trailer stage with 80 people. Uh, this past year we hosted 3,675 people, 130 bands, 100 workshops. Um, uh, thank you to Krista Kane for hosting the Healing and Wellness and Women's Tent. 
so many panels, so many discussions, uh, so many letters that come my way from people who had a transformative experience. And uh, creating a culture where musicians collaborate and cooperate has been big. Earthwork Music has uh, supported dozens of musicians. We've released hundreds of albums. I personally have released a dozen albums under my own name, another dozen with different projects. I've appeared on about 100 albums as a producer and multi-instrumentalist. Played over 2,000 shows in the last two decades. And uh, it's taken me all over the world. Um, but I really put roots down in Michigan. And in those early days, it was also Bioneers that played such a big part in, in finding community here and finding folks that were putting their whole hearts into work uh, to stand up for the earth and, uh, and also for people and for fairness and social justice. Uh, meeting May Earlywine was a, a huge part also of putting Roots Down in Michigan. We, we fell in love and married our music and our work. Uh, we worked for clean water. We empowered youth. Uh, we raised spirits and raised money for causes. Um, we also went through some, some really challenging times. Um, right around 2012 when we left the farm, uh, we got a phone call that our best friend, David Fetzer, had passed away. Very suddenly, he overdosed um, on opiates. And... Um, he was my best friend, and I envisioned working with him throughout my whole life. And uh, I went outside, and I built a fire, the biggest fire I could. This was in the winter time, and I kept that fire going for a month. And uh, during that time, I, I circled the fire, and I started this practice of saying out loud what I'm grateful for and to choose gratitude uh, in the face of despair and, and potentially um, victimhood. And um, that whole year was a lot of loss. And, and um, Richie Havens was a hero of mine. He took the word responsibility apart from me, and he, he told me that my responsibility is my ability to respond. And he passed away that year. Pat Carroll, uh, who is a big part of this community, passed away. Ten days after his masterpiece was released, Glow in the Dark, and the lyrics to that uh, title track are, um, when your life leaves not even a spark, all you can do is glow in the dark. I had the privilege of sitting at Bob Russell's feet in the last year of his life and listening to him speak to me about his work and his view of the world, and he was always on the cutting edge, and I learned so much from Bob and Sally through my whole life, uh, from my first days going to the Neatawana Inn as a kid. Uh, and Bob talked about resilience, which is the ability to absorb shock and maintain function uh, all the way through the end of his life. And I've always shared this, what I learned from him with the young people that I work with. Um, right after that period of loss, uh, I got to play with one of my heroes, Greg Brown. I got to back him up. On the way home, I saw a bobcat in my driveway and came inside, and May told me that we were pregnant. And um, Iris Betsy Bernard was born. Uh, she didn't have a name. Like me, she didn't have a name for the first couple weeks. And uh, we listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder. And um, she's the coolest person I know. She was born with craniosynostosis, which is the premature fusing of the soft spot on the top of your head, and she had to have her whole skull reshapen in a surgery at the U of M hospital when she was eight months old. And um, there are really too many 
too many partners and friends and mentors in my life for me to name them all, but it is worth naming that that's how I have kept going through through intense challenges. And um, that feeling of being watched by my ancestors has transformed into um, a feeling of being supported by my ancestors and, and those who came before and a feeling of responsibility to them uh, to continue healing work here. Uncoupling with May uh, was another one of the most difficult things I've gone through in my life and also a catalyst for the biggest humbling and biggest personal growth in my life. It also drew me closer to my, my biological father. And um, the last time I saw him was the first time we said I love you to each other as he walked out the door of my house. A month later, I got a phone call that he had passed away from a major heart attack on a long ski in the UP. And um, I think that leaning into social justice work uh, has helped me also um, lean away from self-pity to feel uh, aware of the power and access that I was born into and the support that I've had through my life and a real responsibility to, to do what I need to do to keep showing up. Um, and so through, um, through my own healing process, I've recognized that um, we have a deep need for cultural healing here. I was born into an understanding of it. I was raised to feel it, and uh, I've come to understand that we need profound cultural healing right now and that we have infinite potential for it. So my challenge to you all is to keep showing up and to build your capacity to keep showing up and to show up for racial justice, to show up for indigenous rights, to show up for the people most vulnerable in our society, and to help society heal. And uh, I want to end with another call and response. The strength of your heart will carry you through your whole life. Thank you. Thank you.